and I and I go in, I come out, I go to AG's house, we play three on three, we go to paintball, like we have a good time. So I come back for you know, go to work Monday, and how they tell you you have a fine is they just put a piece of paper on your chair, so you see it like before you sit down. So I come in, I'm, I'm about to get dressed, and I look down, and there's a piece of paper on my chair, and it was a fifteen thousand dollar fine. Dad used to tell me all the time. He used to tell me all the time. Son, don't worry about the mules, just load the wagon. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged. I'm Chris Tehan here with my co-host Mitch Lightfoot, and uh, we got a special guest today, Christian Brown. Welcome to the show, baby. What's up, y'all? Super pumped to have you on. Obviously, coming off a big win against uh, the Suns, seeing you out there locking up one of the greatest scorers of all time. Can you talk about a little bit about that and uh, what's what's the hype going into Game Three? Yeah, man, we're having fun. Um, I think we're obviously in a good spot. Like the guys, you know, we're all pretty much on the same page. And obviously the NBA is, you know, a little different. Um, we'll get into that. But uh, just like guarding, you know, like you said, like guarding KD, guarding Book, like it's weird that that's, you know, my job now. Um, and then like before the series, they're like, hey, you know, we want you to pick up Chris Paul at 94 feet. And I was like <laughs> talking to my brother and I was like, if you would have told me that a couple of years ago, like that, that's the weirdest thing I've heard. Um, but that's pretty much my job. So. Uh, I'd run around there, you know, for 20 minutes and play defense all game. So, what's the uh, like, like you're like not an offensive minded guy, but you never were like a lockdown defender. And now, like, yeah, you're like, your job is to like literally go pick these guys up 94 feet. Like, is that something you just embraced off rip or do you learn that at Kansas or is it just kind of like the only way I'm going to get minutes is if I if I clamp up? Yeah, I think that. Like, I tell people all the time, like, remember Coach Self, my freshman year, was like, me and Jalen Wilson were the worst defenders, like, on the team, like, all the time. Like, we would watch film, and I was always, like, the worst defender, and you can't guard anybody one-on-one. Um, and I didn't, like, try to change anything, to be honest with you. It's just, like, I, I, you know, I try to play hard, like, and that's kind of my thing. But, um, you know, you get here, and it's like, everybody's really good. Like, everybody's can score. Everybody, you know, can play. Um, so it's like, if you want to be on the court, like, you have to do something. Um, and I think I just got to the point where it was, like, going into the draft um, on, on my junior year, there was, like, some buzz. Like, all right, he's a good 3 and D, you know, defender. And, I mean, just kind of ran with it. And, like, so ever since then, like, everybody's like, man, we're going to draft you. And we think you could, you know, be a good defender along with Yoke um, or, you know, with Jamal and help those guys out. And I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, I can do that. Like, <laughs> so basically every time I get out there, it's like, all right, my job is to defend. And obviously I think I've turned myself into a good defender um and you know i've done a good job this year so that's pretty much what i do now speaking of the draft like talk a little bit about how you went a lot higher than a lot of people were, were, were projecting and talk about did you know beforehand did you did you have an idea or was that kind of a surprise to you yeah so i mean obviously we had our you know our little parade you know i had a little fun and then went into pre-draft and kind of going into pre-draft i was pretty much in a spot similar to where Jalen's at now. Like uh, I could go anywhere from 20 to 40. Um, and I didn't want to go in the second round. I didn't want to be on the two way. Uh, and so basically going into that, I'm like, man, I need to, I need to get myself to the first round. So I kind of went in late um, to the workouts, played pretty well at combine, obviously um, put myself in a good position going into like the, the team workouts um, played really well in some, you know, some team workouts um, and then as we got close to the draft, um, you don't know exactly where you're going. Like, that's not, you know, how it works. But um, I kind of knew I had a floor, you know, of 
I'm going to go in the first round. So basically, I you know decided to go to the draft, um, and there was uncertainty with it. I didn't know where I was going to go still, uh, but I wanted to be there. Like I wanted to shake Adam Silver's hand, and you know that's a dream for everybody. But um, that's kind of where I wanted to be, and then I kind of had an idea I was going to go to Denver. Like that was a spot that I visited towards the end. I ended up canceling some workouts, um, and then I you know went 21, and then throughout the whole year it was like I was playing more you know minutes than a lot of guys that went ahead of me. Um, and I think that I got myself, you know, to a good situation, a good team. Um, and like you said, like I can play defense, run and dunk and transition and shoot threes. And like, that's what I'm good at. So pretty, pretty much ended up in a perfect situation for me. Um, obviously we're the number one seed. So, you know, got to have, you know, at the end of the year when guys were resting, got to play a little more, um, and try new things. So like, it was perfect for me, but I mean, to be honest with you, I went 21 and I think if there was a redraft, I think I would go a lot higher. So, I mean, I, you know, that's kind of my point to prove. Like I saw a tweet that was out the other day. It was like, I'm the last rookie, you know, playing rotation minutes. And that was kind of my goal. I know I'm not going to be the guy that gets to shoot 15 times a game, but, you know, I want to be the last guy that was, you know, making an impact, obviously, and winning. So, to be honest, if there was a redraft, I think I should go higher. But, you know, 21 was where I landed. 100%, 100%. Talk about your, uh, your draft night. What's draft night look like? A lot a lot of people want to know about that. It's a it's a very interesting situation. What's what's that like? Yeah, so uh, honestly, like my dad, um, you know, my mom and my dad were very split on what they wanted to do. My dad's like the biggest, you know, Kansas guy, wanted me to go back to school. Like, was like, no, you need to get your degree. You need to get your degree. And I'm like, dad, like, no, you don't. I think you don't understand it, you know, like. And I was trying to explain to him, he said, I want you to, you know, I want that last year at Kansas. And, you know, when the deadline came, I was like, like, man, like, I'm, I'm going to skip. Basically, it's going to be the most fun year of my life. Like, I was going to get to go back and play at Kansas um, in a spot where I was super comfortable, uh, you know, with Jalen, with Dewan. Like, you know, that's what I was really looking forward to. But I, I was like, you know, this is an opportunity, you know, you obviously can't miss out on. Um, so, I mean, the leading up to the draft, like I said, I was in a good spot. I think a lot of people go into it and they have no idea what's going to happen, like, but I was put in a pretty good spot. I think my agency um, did a good job with it. And I think I did a good job, you know, handling, you know, my business going up until then. So going into the draft now, I was pretty stress-free. You know, obviously my parents were um, obviously still pretty nervous. And we're, I'm not telling them everything, you know, that that I knew. But uh, we had a pre- we were pretty confident um, in Denver at 21 and Denver at 30. So we didn't think we were going to fall past 30 because they had two picks. Um, but we were pretty confident in 21 because we had people, you know, trying to trade up a little higher to get me too. So um, we were confident, um, you know, going into it. But draft night, as far as like the lead up, obviously everybody's nervous. Like the buzz is crazy. Like this is like your one night that can't go wrong. Like because if it goes wrong, you, there's I can't go back to school. So it's like you, you, you know, you're nervous going into it. Um, but I was in a good spot. So like I said I was pretty like, you know, pretty, uh, you know, at ease. But then I had all my friends come. So like I had. Like a ton of friends, ton of family. My mom, my uh, my mom by her friends. Um, so basically, if you know anything about my family, like it was a party in New York. Like that's pretty much what it was for us. Um, and then you know the draft went perfectly, exactly how we thought it was going to go. Um, went to the team I wanted to go to. So the whole draft went perfect. Like obviously, it's a little nerve wracking when you're in it. Um, goes perfect, and then you know afterwards we go have like a big dinner. Um, we go out, you know, obviously, and then I think there's some pictures out there like. It worked cool because I had like a, a draft party with my family and my friends, and then Ochai ended up, you know, coming with his family. Um, so it's like it's like me, Och, his mom, my mom, my dad, his dad, and then Coach Self all at Tao in the club at like two a.m. Like, so it's like 
this is like you couldn't you couldn't have like I have so many pictures and videos obviously that I would love to post, but like uh, of just me like me coach self um, Oach like my family his family my friends his friends like you know just in Brooklyn after the draft like you know it's like our best life you know like couldn't yeah. couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, dude. That's everything yeah. you dream about. Did you think though, like right out, like when you got drafted, it would be like a perfect fit? I mean, you really like fit in. I mean, you, I know you mentioned a little bit like it was a good fit, but like, did you really get out there and be like, okay, yeah, like this is where I can hit my ceiling the early, not my ceiling, but like be able to start growing in the right way and actually contributing to a team that, I mean, shit, yeah, you guys are the one seed, that team that wins. Was that like a thought in your mind immediately? I would say that's where, like, that's where my agent. Um, kind of wanted me to go through the whole process. And, I, you know, I watched the NBA a lot, um, watched, you know, a lot of LeBron, to be honest with you. Uh, Chris knows that. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't watch the Nuggets that, that much. But my agent's like, man, I think, the, I think the Nuggets are a great fit for you. Like playing – but then you think about it, you get to thinking like, all right, I get to run run to the corner. Nikola Jokic is going to make the game easier for everybody. So automatically you look better playing with them anyways. They're a team that plays in transition, um, which is probably what I'm what I'm best at. Um, I get to shoot wide open threes because everybody's looking at Nicola and Jamal. Uh, and then I get to guard, you know, like I said, going into it, they're like, all right, you get to guard, you know, probably the best best player. But going into it, I don't think I think even the team, maybe the coaches were like, you know, they put me out there and they know I'm gonna play hard and they would put me on like, you know, one of the guys who isn't really scoring, but it's like developed into all right, CB, when you're out there, like you got KD. Like our or book gets hot. Like all right, CB switch on the book. So like that's what it turned into, um, and that's what you know the the role I carved out. Um, but I don't know that I knew it was going to be that perfect. And there was definitely some up and downs. I, I'm sure you guys watched. Like there was times where I'm playing a lot. There was times where I started games. There was times where I had DMPs. Like th- there was ups and downs. But it was like after the trade deadline, we kind of hit a stride. Like and then I knew like all right, this is going to be my role. This is how many minutes I'm going to play. And it's still like. You go out there and it's like, you know, you're probably going to get in, but depending on how you play, plus minus wise, that's pretty much how you're going to play. Like you could come in and make a mistake and then, you know, not get in for the rest of the half. So um, you just got to be ready for those things. And there was ups and downs, but I think that looking like across the league, um, as far as fits go for everybody that got drafted, I don't know if there's a rookie in a better spot than me. Yeah, What's the, I, I uh, that. 100%. What's the difference for you between Coach Self and Coach Malone? Like what's the what's the difference between the two? Oh man, I could go on for this for a long time. So uh, basically, I tell people this all the time. Coach Self, Coach Coach Self and Coach Malone actually are pretty similar as far as like their mindset, their mentality. Um, they're both pretty old school guys, you know, um, like to raise their voice a little bit, like to get after you. Um, but the difference is, I don't know that Coach Malone can do it as much. Um, cause you know, coach self is a college coach. Being a college coach is a yeah. lot different, um, than being an NBA coach. Like in college, you can really yell at guys. Like you can yell at them, you can cuss them out, you know, you can call them names and you're still their head coach and there's nothing they can do about it. You know? Um, and, and, and the same, everybody respects coach self too. That's, that's not a big thing. It's like, he can call you whatever names and you still love him, you know, the same way. But uh, I would say that coach self, they're the same way, but coach self is allowed to be himself more like coach Malone isn't really you know going out here and cussing Nikola Jokic out like Nikola Jokic is a two-time MVP um back-to-back MVP you know yeah like you said like th- this isn't a guy you can go out here and cuss out because at the end of the day like 
he's great. Um, he's going to do his job. Though. So we have, we have guys on our team that I would say are, are very respectful um, to, to coach, and there's not many situations. But I can imagine around the league that there is a lot of situations where people don't, you know, respect their head coach as much. And I don't, that's definitely not um, how it is, you know, in Denver. But um, there's definitely similarities mindset-wise. Um, but Coach Self is definitely allowed to get after his players more than Coach Malone is, I would say. Yeah, and talk about, like, you can tell, like, I've watched I've watched the games lately and I've watched all the highlights after. Like, what is the confidence that Coach Malone and Jamal Murray and Jokic and all of them have, like, in you? Does that make it easier to go out there and play? I know, like, you're probably on a short leash, but, like, it has to at least be in your mind a little bit. Those dudes are confident and they love the way you play and they love what you bring to the team. Yeah, I think, I mean, you guys know this same, like you said, same with Coach Self, like, it's something that you have to earn, like, with with Coach uh, with Coach Malone, it was like, I don't know, I don't know that we can trust a rookie in the playoffs guarding KD, or I don't know that, you know, so he's he's giving me room to um, to grow, he's giving me, you know, I've made mistakes, obviously, um, so he's really let me uh, play through those things, and like I said, there's times where I haven't been able to play through them as much, and that's frustrating, obviously, but um coach Malone I you know like I said I can't complain about him at all like he has let me play through mistakes in the playoffs he's let me you know do all these things whether it's the fourth quarter the first quarter like you know he's he's giving me a pretty good leash and I think that um the guys know that I'm gonna go out there and I'm not gonna try to shoot it you know too many times or I'm not gonna try to force anything um so that's where I think the trust is with them like uh, I enjoy playing with those guys I think they enjoy playing with me um, and, you know, just trying to make it easier on them. Like, I literally go out there and it's like, all right, Jamal, you go score 40. I don't care how many I score, but, like, let me help you out on defense. You know, like, Jamal was out there the other day and had, like, 35 in game one. And I told him, like, bro, look, you don't need to go. Like, you don't need to You don't need to score every point on offense and then go guard Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. You don't need to do that. Like, when a rookie comes in, I can, I can chase those guys around. I can, you know, so I tell them that and I let them know that, um, you know, I'm just there to help. I'm there to make them look better. Um, make their job easier and so I think that's probably where the trust comes with them for sure for for like Jokic he seems like a very not, I would say quiet guy what, what's what's he like being a teammate what's he like on the court what's the what's uh what's the mo with, with uh, Jokic yeah I think that uh everybody kind of has different perspectives of him um and coming in I didn't know what to expect but he is quiet um doesn't talk a lot um, extremely focused on what he has to do. Like he comes in, it's 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 different than college. Obviously, like he comes in to work. Like it's work for him. Like he comes into work, he does his same exact routine every single day. Whether it's a game day, it's a game day. Plays his game, lifts after. Like he does it. He does his job. Um, loves his family. Basically, go, goes home and, and is a dad. You know. Like, so he, he comes in and does his job. That's literally what it is for him. Like, everybody's like, man, why doesn't he get into the MVP stuff? Or he doesn't care. Like, he comes in and he gets his 40-point triple-double, wins the game, goes home, and is, you know, a dad. So, and, you know, and a husband. So if that's why – that's a lot of, like, you know, it's different than college. But, like, Nicola's, like, the most low-maintenance, two-time back-to-back MVP, you know, you'll ever see. All he wants to do is win. Um, he just comes in, like you said, comes into work, does his job, gets his 40-point triple-double and goes home. That's pretty much what he does every day. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, Could, if, you just, if you had to describe his court vision, would you describe it as, like, him looking in third person? It's it's crazy. Like, have you, like some of the passes, like, you aren't even looking at him or, like, you have no idea he knows you're there. Um, especially in transition, it's like 
I mean, I know you guys have probably seen him. Like, some of the times, like, you throw it ahead to him, he'll, like, throw it backwards between the legs, like, yeah. not even look, and it goes perfectly to somebody. And it's like, you know. <laughs> you got to use that big guys that can do that to have your eyes on that man at all times. Because if you don't have your eyes on him, like, you could be standing, like, on the opposite corner of the court covered by four people. And if he thought you were a little bit open, like, he's getting that ball to you and it's going to hit you square in the hands. Like, you have to have your eyes up. But that's the difference. Like the ball is like so. You know, some people are good passers, and like they know you're there, and they can they can pass it to the corner or whatever. And it might you know I have to jump and catch. It's like if you're not looking at him, the ball's hitting you in the head. Like that's <laughs> that's how good the that's how good the pass is going to be. It's not going to be like it's going to hit you in the head like every time. What uh, I want I want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with uh, your vets. Like who's who's like the vet on your team that's helped you learn the most and helped you adjust to the NBA the most. I would say uh, help me learn the most. I would say Jamal Murray, um, but it's different. Like we have, we got a bunch of guys that are older. Like we got DeAndre, we got uh, Jeff, um, you know, Ish Smith. Uh, we have a lot of older guys that like you know teach you different things. But like I would say Jamal Murray's probably been like he's my he's like my locker, like you know right next to me in my locker. Um, so we talk a lot, um, but he he's taught me a lot, and obviously like we just kind of feed off each other. Um, like I said, off on the court, and I think that you know we have a pretty good connection. Um, Nicola tries to, you know, teach you on the court, you know, he doesn't talk a lot, but, um, but like some of my favorite people that I've met in the NBA is like DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green, and Ish Smith. Like they're, I I would tell people like DeAndre could be the funniest person. I've had a lot of like funny teammates. Like you guys know too, like, you know, there's the Silvios, there's the, you know, all these people that are hilarious. Like Marcus Garrett's funny. Like DeAndre Jordan is by far the funniest person I've ever met. Like. Just, just naturally, like walk in a room, make everybody laugh right when he walks in. Like, Who's more athletic? You or Jeff Green? Who's more athletic? Yeah, you or Jeff Green? I mean, I mean, probably the answer is probably Jeff Green. He's 30, 35 or whatever he is, thirty four. Dude, he um, flies. He, he catches on one ridiculous. Like, you'll forget he's in the league, and then he'll catch like an unreal body every single year. Yeah. Like how old? I mean, he caught one last night too. Like he doesn't. He doesn't last like, night, I was once he gets the ball, like here, it's over. Like it's like he's dunking on you, regardless. He dunked on Giannis the same way. It was crazy. Uh, I don't even think I've got a technical. You didn't get a technical? I haven't got a technical. No, I haven't well, got You didn't so. get a double tech for the. Uh, that was actually going to be my next question. Double tech for the the stuff going on with Kyle Anderson and uh, Austin Rivers. That that had me dying. That was a whole lot of, you know, that was a whole lot of nothing. I think I said that in, like, my post-game interview. And it seems like, well, how was your first NBA scuffle? And I was like, I don't I don't know if you caught that. Um, basically, is what happened is, like, in the NBA, you don't let people shoot after the, like, the whistle. That's just kind of a thing. And everybody knows that. Um, he tried to shoot it and, like, you know, slapped down the ball. And then, like, he tried to do it again. And um, I kind of grabbed his arm. So then he, like, fakes, you know, like, fakes uh, shoot it and, like, elbows me, like, right in the mouth. So I already did my job. Like, I already got him. You know, I already know he's going to get a technical. I did my job. Like, sometimes my job is just to be out there and piss people off. Um, so I did my job, got him a tech, and I knew it. So, but I but I still grabbed his arm. Like, you know, he tried to spin around, whatever. I had had his arm. Um, so I don't know that, it, that that was a scuffle, but that's pretty much what happened with that. And I ended up not getting a tech for that either. So I haven't got a tech all year. Did you, get a, did you get a fine for that? Nothing? So, so uh, technicals in the NBA are $2,500 each. Yeah, but like for that, like just your involvement, they didn't go back and review it because I know they review a bunch of stuff and always sex fines after the game. Nothing? No, nah, I didn't. 
I didn't get fined, but the funny part was, this is what I love about DeAndre. Like when I came over, obviously DeAndre's all turned up. Like, I'm like, bro, it's all right. Like it's not a big deal. Like this, you know, this happens a lot. And then uh, I come over to the sideline. DeAndre, the first thing he says, like, bro, like I'm paying for your technical. I'm like, DJ, I'm not going to get a technical. He's like, if you get one, I'm paying for it. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, bad shit. I'm going to do it again. Cool yeah, it saves, cool saves me 2500 What up? For people that don't know, what does a fine situation look like in the NBA? Do they just take it straight out of your paycheck? Do you get a bill in the mail? Like, do they leave something in your locker? How does that work? Nah, so you, like, if you, you know, if you're late, obviously you're going to get fined. If you park in the wrong spot, you're going to get fined. If you get technical, you're going to get fined. So there's a lot of different things you can get fined for. What are the price um, tags for, look on those? For parking in a uh, wrong spot? So this is actually a funny story. This is probably the best story I've ever here. Um, it's funny that you asked, actually. So... I have not got a paycheck in the NBA yet. Um, I obviously got my bonus, but uh, I've not got a single NBA paycheck. It's probably like August. And um, AG, this is a we have a blackout day, which means that we're we're off for the day. Like you can't come in. There's no trainers in there. There's no rebounders. Like so, it's a blackout day. But AG invites us to his house, which there's a gym at his house. So we're like, all right, we're gonna go play three on three. It's like Bones, Michael, like all of us, the team event. So I'm like, all right, it's a blackout day. I wake up, I go, I drive, and um, there's these, you know, slotted parking spots. Well, I, and I've done this at the field house multiple times, I just kind of leave my car on, and I run into the locker room, right, to get my shoes. I'm like, well, I don't have shoes, so I need to get shoes. So I leave my car on, park it sideways, right, in, in three spots. And my door's open, my car's on. It probably took me two minutes. And I, and I go in, I come out, I go to AG's house, we play three on three, we go to paintball. Like we have a good time. So I come back for, you know, go to work Monday. And how they tell you you have a fine is they just put a piece of paper on your chair. So you see it, like, before you sit down. So I come in, I'm, I'm about to get dressed, and I look down, and there's a piece of paper on my chair. And it was a $15,000 fine. And I'm like, $15,000? Like, I haven't I haven't even got a paycheck. Like, what do you mean $15,000? So you know me. I, I call, like, our first name is Morgan. I'm like, Morgan, $15,000? Like, that that that's not going to work. Like we're not going to do this. And, uh, obviously with some more colorful language, like no chance, basically. like, no, you're not getting my money. And she's like, what do you mean? We're not getting your money. It comes straight out. Like you don't even see that money. And so now I'm like, no, there's like, there's no way you're not taking $15,000 from me. And I haven't even got a single check yet. Um, but turns out she was, she was very nice. And, oh, this is why. So I parked in the three spots. I, uh, I parked in are Mr. Cronky, which is our owner. Okay. Uh, I park. I park in his. He has three spots. Not only did I park in his spot, I parked in all three of them. <laughs> so, so it's it's five thousand for each of those executive spots and then, or whatever owner spots. So I get fifteen thousand dollars on my chair, and I'm like Morgan. I'm not paying fifteen thousand dollars. So she was nice, and I was like, look, there's nobody, not a single person at the arena. My car's still on. I was there for two and a half minutes, um, and they just caught me on the camera. And they looked up whose car it was, and it was mine. So, like, you know, they came in, put the fine sheet. She ended up getting it down to twenty five hundred, um, which obviously the difference between that and fifteen thousand when you have never been paid yet um, is great. But you still don't, you don't even see the money. Like, it just comes straight out of your account. If I would have gotten a ticket for fifteen thousand dollars, I would have thrown up. Bro, it was like I walked in, but I, I wasn't even like because I was like, no chance. Like, I was only there for two minutes. I'm like, there's no way. This has to be some type of like type of joke. Um, and then she was like, no, we're dead serious. And I was like, bro, you have to get that down. Like I will literally, my car's still on doors open. She's like, all right, we'll turn it down to 2,500. And I was, at that point I was like, you know what? That's good enough for me. 
it's kind of similar that way overseas when they when they do fines, but not quite as much. Like, <laughs> they'll be like, oh, you're late to practice. It's eighty bucks here, it's hundred bucks there. So it's like late to practice is late to practice or workout. You, you're not really late to practice. That didn't really happen. But like late to late to a workout is five hundred. Um, not paying your incidentals at a hotel is five hundred. Um, so you can like you can order room service, right? Order a couple cookies and that's what I do. I get cookies and milk every day, like every time I'm there. So I order like cookies and milk and I'll pay like thirty dollars, you know, for it, forty dollars, whatever. And obviously like a ten dollar glass of milk, right? Whoa. Um, so then at the end of the trip, you have to pay for your, you know, pay for your room service before you check out. Well, if you forget to check out, those like thirty dollar cookies turn into a five hundred dollar fine. So it's like sometimes you like order one meal, it's like a forty dollar meal, you forget to check out. And they they put like a five hundred dollar fine sheet on your on your uh, seat. So. Speaking of your uh, your food and what you like to like to eat and drink, give us a little uh, insight on your uh, soda before games and practice. For the people that don't know, he's the most notorious soda drinker I've ever met in my entire life. Has anything changed? Like, did you get halfway through a year and like your body hurt or something where you're like, okay, no more Pepsi's, no more McDonald's, no more Dunkin'? To be honest with you, um, I don't really drink soda anymore. Like, uh, I mean, you guys know, like when I met you, I drank only soda. Like there was no, there was no water. (laughs) There was no water. There was no Gatorade. There was no, like, it was like strict soda. Every meal was soda. Um, You know, there was always, you know, junk food. But like I drank soda pretty much every meal, every time. Like I'm playing Warzone. Me and Mitch are playing Warzone it. 2 a.m. I bet like bang like five Pepsi's, five Cokes. Like that's just kind of how I was in college, and like, and I like I tell the story all the time. Like, bro, college I was just strictly going out there playing hard. Like, you guys know I wasn't, which I'm not proud of. I wasn't like in there in the gym all the time. Like until until like my you know sophomore summer, but um, like it was strictly off of like love for Kansas and like playing with pride. Like that was not like the the strides I've made. Like playing as far as like you know my skills it's crazy i mean oaks will probably tell you the same thing like you make such a big leap because all you do is play basketball like sometimes you're working out five times a day it's different workouts and um but no there's definitely like a big uh leap you make and i definitely don't drink soda at all anymore really to be honest like i have i have water jugs like that i I try to drink a certain amount of water every day Uh, i don't eat that healthy but uh, i definitely don't drink soda I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about your recruiting process to Kansas. Uh, for the people that don't know, you I mean you grew up here. Tell us that story. Yeah, so um, basically, I grew up in a small town in Kansas called Burlington, Kansas. Um, camped out at the at the uh, late nights. Went to games. Like was a big Kansas fan. My whole family was all um, Missouri Tigers. My mom's side, um, but my dad went to Kansas, so I was always a big Kansas fan. Uh, and then I moved to Overland Park, um, still in Kansas, obviously, uh, still pretty close. Um, and, you know, I always wanted to go to Kansas, but I was like five. You know, I told you guys, too, I'm, I was 5'8", my freshman year of high school. Uh, so, I mean, I was I was all right. Like, I still talked a lot of shit. Like, everybody that knows me will tell you I was 5'8", like, talking shit just the same way, um, you know, as I do now. Like, I had a big mouth, probably was, you know, probably wasn't a nice kid, but um but like i still love like i love basketball i love you know playing pickup um but i was five eight literally so um you know my parents were were pretty good so we knew i was gonna grow at some point 
Um, but like my dream was to go to Kansas, but like, I don't know that I really believed that I was going to go. Um, and I kept growing and kept growing. And then my junior year summer with Mocan, uh, I was like six, five and, um, you know, had a pretty good summer with them. Um, ended up getting an offer from Kansas. And I tried to tell, I told them this too, like, I used to tell people like, yeah, I'm going to take my official visits. Like, cause I had all these, you know, Oklahoma set up, K-State set up. Like I had all these visits like lined up and then I had my Kansas visit. Um, and basically I was like telling people I wanted to go take my visits. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to give everybody a chance. But like in my mind, I was going to Kansas like the whole time. Like everybody thought I was going to be a red shirt. Everybody thought like I wasn't going to play, you know, this is like, you know, the, the Kansas kid that, you know, Kansas has to get. So, um, but I was still was going to go to Kansas regardless. Like I didn't care. Like I, you guys know, I showed up and I was just running around trying to chase offensive rebounds. I didn't, it was just like, you know, like I said, like the pride that I had looking back on it, like, you know, there's not, you don't have as much pride playing in the NBA. You play for, you know, different reasons, but like the pride I had playing for Kansas was like crazy. Like that's how, that's what, like how I was playing with like the emotions and like with the yelling, like I really couldn't help it. I told you all the time, like, I could not help it. I could not, I could not help yell when I got a dunk. Like I couldn't help it. Yeah. Okay. And we'll, we'll come back to the, the, the you yelling profanities at crowds and all that other stuff in a second. But you were talking about how you were 5'8 your freshman year. Like, does that, do you think that affected the way that you play now? Like, because you were small, you had to learn how to play the, the game the right way and have a high basketball IQ to, to play with Mo Cannon, to play varsity at Blue Valley North. Like, those are good programs. Do you think being short or being smaller in your late or growth spurt late, like, helped the way you play now? Yeah, I think it was definitely beneficial, like, you know, bringing the ball up. Um, you know, being a point guard most of my life, that's obviously beneficial, like from basketball, um, just itself. But I think Mo can obviously, you know, like Mo can help me out, um, just playing a role. Like, bro, I was a, I was a real, like a real bench player. Like, I was a, I wasn't like I was playing for Mo can. I was a part of the Mo can team, but I wasn't really playing. Like, I didn't start ever. I didn't start really until my the last year of AAU. Um, we had a kid miss practice, and I ended up starting. Um, one of the UIBL sessions, one of the last ones, and then kind of, you know, broke out in PCM. But I was never a starter. Like, I didn't play. So it was like, you had to play the right way. Like, I was never going in there not playing hard. Like, literally was going to, you know, play hard no matter what, you know, when I got in there because I didn't have much opportunity. But, um, but yeah, I think being small obviously helped me. What was your uh, first call from Coach Self like? Do you do you remember that? I mean, I know I was kind of a Kansas kid, and I remember my first call from Coach Self. What was, what was that like? Yeah, uh, I remember it for sure. Um, so we were basically, me and my family, I mean, I had been getting a lot of calls. Like, um, towards the end, like, there was a big list of schools, obviously. Um, and then Kansas kind of wasn't, you know, we figured that they would come in at some point. But I'm already, like, wanting to narrow down my top, you know, my top ten or whatever. And kind of waiting on Kansas. And so then I get a call from, like, a random Kansas number. I can't remember where it was from. But I'm at a pizza place with my family. And I wasn't even going to answer because, you know, you get those calls that, you know, are just random calls. So I wasn't going to answer it. I was like, all right, I answered it. Um, and I heard his voice and, like, I already knew. I'm like, oh, yeah. He was like, you know, hey, stud, this is yeah. this is so. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, coach, I know. Like, <laughs> like I, hear, I hear you. And uh, so I got up, walked to the bathroom um, at this pizza place. And uh, basically we talked for a little bit. And the funny thing is I, like, tell people this all the time, like, Coach Self, what I liked about him, because uh, it's kind of like similar to how my parents were, but what I liked about him is he didn't promise me anything. Like the first thing he looked at me in my face, like, look, Christian, 
you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, like we've got maybe at the time it was Samuel Sam Williamson, Cassius Stanley. Um, like if you guys remember how big the hype was for those guys, like coming in, like he's like, We got these guys ahead of you, like and we got one spot. He was like, uh, we want you. Um, he's like, We want you, but to be honest, Christian, we don't need you. Like <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a, that's great recruiting, you know, like but that's what he looked me in my face and was like, you know, you know, we want you, but we don't need you. Um, came, he came for the in-home visit, told me the same thing. Like it was like a week later, I think he came and told me the same thing. Like, Hey, basically we're not going to wait on you. Like if one of these other kids wants to commit ahead of you, um, then he can commit. So I had a, I took my K-State visit already and I had an Oklahoma visit and I want to say like Michigan state or something lined up. And this is, he came for his in-home visit, told me the same thing. Like, hey, we got one scholarship left. You, Cassius Stanley, Samuel, Samuel Williamson, um, but we don't need you. Like, our program will be fine, you know, if we don't get you. Um, but we want you. And uh, so my parents, like, when he left, were like, Christian, like, what do you wait? Because I tried to be, like, kind of not play hard, but, like, I wanted to wait it out and not act like I, would, I was so set on Kansas, you know. So I was like, well, I'm going to take my visits, coach, and it's nice to meet you, but, you know, we'll let you know uh, where things go. So he leaves the house. My parents are like looking at me like, why are you not, why did you not commit? Like, what are you doing? And they're like, you need to, you need to commit to Kansas. You need like, and I'm looking at, I'm like, yeah, I want to take my visits. I want to talk to these schools. And, uh, but in my mind, I wanted to go there the whole time. I just didn't want to say it, um, you know, cause I'm, you know, stubborn the same way Coach Self is. Um, but I did appreciate like him. He was just super honest, like throughout the whole process. And um, obviously I wanted to go to Kansas the whole time anyways. Hundred percent. That's yeah. a, that's the thing that's so cool about Coach Self is he's gonna, he's gonna be real with you. Like he's not, he's not gonna beat around the bush. He's gonna tell you what he's thinking. And in practice, like that, that goes such a far away, like, so far with a lot of guys because he's not gonna hide what he's thinking. Like if he's mad at you, he's gonna tell you what he wants you to fix, and you'll fix it. Yeah, you'll you'll always know. Where, that's the, that, yeah, that's another thing. Like you always know where you stand. Um, you know, you'll never have to say because like, what what does Coach think about me? Like he's gonna tell you what he thinks, and he's gonna tell you what you need to do. And if you do it. You do it if you don't. Sorry, like then that—that's what I like about him. Like that's why me and him, everybody's like, how many times did Coach Self like really yell at you? And I'm like, oh, me and him didn't have many problems because like he told me what he wanted me to do and was honest about it, and I went and tried to do it. Like didn't try to argue with him, didn't try to like, and that was probably because like I looked up to him for so long. I know Mitch, you probably feel the same way, same with you, Chris, but like probably because I looked up to him so long, like, I never second guessed anything he said, not once. I'm just like, you know what? He he could have told me like. Christian, we see you as a five man, and I would have been down there like posting up hard as shit, you know. Like that's that's just how I looked at him. Like I, I, you know, I like I trusted him, and you know, he told me what I needed to do, and it was just like whatever he said went. And, I, and people tell ask me that too. They're like, hey, are people like because we always hear stories like, oh, this guy was late to the bus, or this guy was, you know, doing this at other schools, and I'm like, man, that that shit never happened to Kansas. Like, never. I think that's just because like people's respect for Coach Self, but that shit never happens. And like for me, it was like. I was not going to let him down. Like I wasn't. That was that was my thing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I wanted to go back even farther and talk a little bit about your experience playing the Blue Valley Northwest. You played for another great coach there. I mean, what was your experience like there? I know you you came in from Burlington and you were a small town Kansas kid coming to. I would say Overland Park's the biggest city in the world, but it's still a, a much larger than Burlington. So what's that like? Yeah, I'll, I'll break it down for you for sure. The. Uh... The difference between Burlington and Overland Park is my town, town's population was smaller than my grade or my school, I guess, my school. So 
like the town difference between I, I moved and like my mom, there's another whole funny story about how we moved, but um, basically my mom picked our shit up, moves it to Overland Park without telling anybody. Didn't tell my dad, like, look, Donnie, you can either come with us, you know, or you can sit there. We don't really care. Like, because uh, he was like very, he was in love with his small town, you know, medicine and whatever. Um, and she's like, look, you can either come with us or, you know, get on basically. And uh, picks us up, moves us to Overland Park. This is the second day of high school. You got to think, I don't know anybody, not a single person at this school. Like, uh, my mom just thought it was a better opportunity. So, basically, uh, freshman year, knew nobody, sat basically by myself at lunch. Um, people at Blue Lanos will tell you, like, I sat at lunch by myself every single day of my freshman year. Like, it was just, I didn't know anybody. I wasn't, you know, good at meeting people. We all know, I, unless I'm, like, very comfortable, I don't really talk. You um, weren't probably the nicest kid either at that point. And then, uh, so basically, like, from there, um, you know, got to know some people on the team. Like, Sam, you know, or, uh, you know Sam, Mitch, like, uh, Sam, you know, those guys, Max, Markel, like, they did a really good job of kind of, you know, introducing us. But, like, we would come to pick up, and it's like, I'm 5'8", Parker's just some skinny, goofy kid. It's like, everybody's like, and Coach, Coach Fritz wanted these guys, like, you know, so it's like, we ended up growing into that. But, like, at, at first, it was definitely weird. Um and then, obviously, like, I have a better bond with Coach Fritz, um, you know, than most people. Like, he's, you know, he's one of my favorite people in the world. Like, he trusted in me. And, you know, my senior year, obviously, was a blessing, like, just to have him. Um, but I still have that bond with him to this day. And so, like, the move to Bouvier Northwest was probably the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest. What uh, what was it like having one brother at Kansas and one brother at Mizzou? What's your guys' – I know this, this is something interesting for the fans. What's your guys' relationship with Mizzou now? Uh, what is our relationship with Mizzou? I mean, more of like a, how do you guys feel about Mizzou? You no, guys uh, you let it hang out. We, we got to go to it when we played it out. Yeah, I'll say, I think you guys know how I feel about Mizzou. Um, and that's probably just a competitive thing. Like, there's there's a lot of people there I really, you know, really like. Like, you guys know, like, my best friend Isaiah Mosley's there. Um, you know, Parker New has some good friends there with Kobe Brown and those guys. Like, um, there's obviously some people we like there, but, like, I've been wanting to bust their ass since I was like, you know, 10 years old. So uh, that shit's been, you know, how, how it's been for a while. And then my uncle obviously was a really good player there. Um, so that rivalry just with my family was, you know, obviously really fun. And then, so you guys know, like, I told you guys, it's like, when we played Mizzou, I never ever ran out of the tunnel and yelled in my whole life. Like, I ran out of the tunnel at Mizzou, the first time we played Mizzou at, at the field house and started yelling. I'm like, what am I, this is pregame, like, what am I doing? Like, and then obviously I scored, like, you know, 10 quick, quick points, like, you know, quick ones, and probably used all of my energy in the first 15 minutes of that game. Like, I thought you were going to have 50. Yeah, no, you you killed that first time. Bro, I thought I was on, I had like, yeah, I had like 10 points in like the first six or seven minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm getting 40. I end up with 13. But it was like the <laughs> – it might have been the loudest 13 points in KU history, I think. Like, just the way I was feeling. It's like I had nothing for you guys in the second half. I couldn't help you. Like, I was probably – I don't think we needed it in the second half. But we, yeah, we, we were on 40, so it didn't matter. Like, you could have quit after the first 10 minutes. We could have played one on five and whooped that's them what I'm that game. Like, we beat them so bad, but it was like, bro, that game, like, the energy I expended in like the first 10 minutes of the game and then just how we beat them, like couldn't have gone any better. It was like, that was another thing. It was like, do I go back to school and have to play them again? Like, or we beat their ass. And like that, you know, that was one of the most fun games of my life. And it was, like I said, probably the loudest 13 points I've ever scored. We checked in the human victory cigar and we got up out of there. 
Please. Well, okay, let's we, let's go back to some more like hatred in college. I was thinking about uh, shit today, and I was thinking about the Oklahoma game last year, and uh, the, I mean, you hit the dagger three. What'd you say to what'd you say to the fan on the sideline? I'm sure they'll clip it in this video real quick. But what what'd you say? And like, what was the emotion going through? Because the end of the year, you really let go. Like you were just kind of not taunting everybody, but the TV was getting you on some on some incriminating clips. Yeah, but it, I mean, it it was the end of the year. But like, you know, my freshman year, I couldn't do it as much because my role was smaller. And then I, you know, I, I obviously started a couple games my freshman year, um, going into the tournament before it got shut down. But like. I had that in me, but it was like I didn't let it out as much. Like same same way, like right now, it's like, you know, I got to get comfortable before I do things like that. And obviously, I don't want people to see that side of me right away. So, um, kind of got comfortable at Kansas, and then once I got comfortable, it was like, you know, my sophomore year, the shit that happened at Kentucky, um, the clip that everybody has, like um, that one was that, very odd. Like you could hear that one very well too. Like there was well, the, the, the gym was empty. That's not my fault. Like, yeah. if, if the gym was full. Nobody would have heard me, but you know, so that's not my fault. But um, then I got real. Then I got real comfortable my junior, year, and it's like, all right, I'm starting to feel like, you know, this is this is my team. Like this is, you know, me and OG's year. Like I'm like, all right, because remember, if you guys remember, at Madison Square Garden first year, the first year of the year, like I was terrible. I I wouldn't say I was terrible. I mean, Oaks was so good that it didn't matter. But I had like six points and airballed twice, so it was like I had a terrible first game. But then we went to Florida, and I started playing really well in Florida. Like you know, was scoring a lot. Uh, made like the whatever the all tournament team, um, which obviously doesn't matter. But uh, then the Dayton, the Dayton, yeah, the little head tap. And don't know where that don't don't know where that came from. Never practiced that once in my life. Um, and then from there, to be honest with you, like from there, I couldn't I couldn't like everything I did was just like natural. Like now you guys never saw me in practice like practicing pointing at people and like. <laughs> You don't that practice. You don't practice head tapping. So like, it's not like you get ten reps of head taps and like. Bro, that, yeah, but I never much. like. I never did that. I just like. I went out there and it was like I dunked on somebody and like I just like stuff started coming out of my mouth. And I like <laughs> I was just like, that's that's just what it was gonna be. Like whatever I did, hit a three. Like you said, the Oklahoma game. Like getting into that, I have no idea what I said to them. Like I really don't. It was probably foul. Um, <laughs> like it was probably very uncalled for. Um, but like, I mean, they might have deserved it. Like, but I mean, I hit a big shot, and like, I heard something. They had been saying something behind me the whole game, and I didn't shoot that many threes. But like, I'm like, and to be honest, I think that might have been a bad shot. I think there was like still time left on the clock. Right? Well, it was a, it was a terrible <laughs> shot, and it like squeaked its way in too. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, the thing is, is, like, that's pretty unlikely. Like, normally I catch it and drive it, or but for some something with those guys behind me, like, I caught it, shot it. And immediately was like calling them every name I've ever like you know, like and but I they I mean they were chirping behind me so I mean maybe they deserved it but like that's the first thing that came to my brain was to look at them and start yelling. <laughs> that was a that was a great clip but all like you brought up we you brought up the Dayton thing and it kind of reminded me. Uh, tell tell the people what Coach Self's reaction was to the to the head tap point uh, when we were playing uh, Dayton and uh, and what was it was it Orlando that year. Yeah, so so I can't remember exactly what he said uh, in the locker room, but if you guys remember, at the time we were up a lot. Yeah, and we were up like a lot and had a pretty controlling lead. I dunk on him, you know, say what I said. Um, me and Joe, I think like like chest bump. 
um, after the attack, and then he takes me out, which is like there's a there's like a minute and a half left or something like. There's not a lot of time left. Yeah. But he takes me out because you know most coaches in college take you out if you get a tech, and he takes me out, and I'm like, coach, like, what, you know, what are we doing here? Like, why, why, why am I out? It's a tech. And bro, they go on like a little six zero run, you know, not a lot, but it was like they hit a couple of shots going into the half, and it kind of felt like they had momentum, and then like we lost. So I'm like, I was like, and then you know, looking back, we lost, we lose by one. The game winners hit over me, obviously, um, that bounces Lucky in, shot. and it's like he never blamed it on me. Obviously, he was just like, you know, we can't make mistakes like that um, in close games. And I'm, you know, me, I'm like, man, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, coach, get out of here. Like, we, I made the mistake when there was, you know, a 15 point lead. I mean, you take me out. They go on a six zero run, like. But obviously, I would never say that to him. Like, we talked about it, joked about it. But, like, um, at the time, I'm like, man, you took me out. Like, that's not my fault. We would have went on a 5-0 run again if you would have left me in. Like, that was, that's how I think, though. Um, but obviously, at the time, looking at him, like, yes, sir. You know, that type of deal. So, um, he didn't He didn't really care. He didn't. He kind of let me be me. And that's another thing I like about Coach Self. And, I mean, you guys know, like, me and him had a pretty good relationship. Um there was never any, you know, any any back and forth much, but we like to, you know, joke, and he's pretty pretty much had a similar personality, so um, he let me be me, and that's pretty much it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I uh, let's get into the fan questions now. We posted it on Instagram, posted it on Twitter. I had a couple of really good ones, and uh, I want to start off with the first one. Uh, Dylan asks, "What does the atmosphere of the NBA playoffs compare to March Madness?" This is a, that's a good one. Um, I'll start with like compared to Allen Fieldhouse. The so when I got to the NBA, that's another thing I've said to you guys. Like, I feel like I was playing off of like raw like pride. You know, like I really loved playing for Kansas and I was playing hard. And you walk into the Fieldhouse and there's no option to be honest with you. You guys know it's like there's no option but to play hard. Like there's not. You, you got sixteen thousand fans screaming, yelling, like jumping up and down like you have you love that you love that place and those people so much and you have teammates in college that you love like obviously like you know you guys and you get to you know you get close with your team and it's like man I want to go hard for these guys like I want to go hard for this coach like he recruited me he invested his time his money you know uh, all that and I, and I wanted to do that it's like everybody in college is going to play hard those games mean more you know there's less of them so every game at the field house there's 16,000 people jumping down uh, jumping up and down but you could go in an nba game and you could play in say it's detroit um obviously detroit's not always like that they used to be really good but um you know orlando whatever it is you go to those places and it's like people don't even cheer when you score it's like you they go in there and sometimes it's like they sit there kind of for the show like oh i'm at an nba game that type of deal yeah and uh basically like Basically, like you go in there and it's like there you have to get yourself up. Coach Self says all the time, like you don't have to get yourself up for a game at the field house, but like in the NBA games, you have to get yourself up. Like you have to energize yourself. Um, and you're playing, like I said, you're playing for a different reason. Like you don't know your teammates as well. You don't hang out with your teammates as much. Um, in some situations, like Denver, obviously now, I mean, our team's really close. Like our our team at Denver now, but at the beginning of the year, it's like I know none of these guys. Like. Couldn't you know some of these guys I, I've never seen before? Um, you don't talk to your coaches as much. Um, it's a, just a different. It's a different vibe, and like you grow into that. And I think our team is really close now. But like playing in college, you have a real love for the people you play with and the place you're at. Um, so you have no choice to, but to play hard. But you could go to you know Orlando on a on a Tuesday, and there could be nobody in the stands. So it's completely different. 
I have a, I have another one and outside of like Allen Fieldhouse obviously and like the coaches and players like what's the one thing that you miss like incredibly about Lawrence Kansas? Oh my goodness, a lot. Why is it 14th in Ohio? Yeah, why is it? Why does that have to do with one of the three bars that are located on Ohio Street? I never I never really went to those bars. Um, I wasn't like you guys. But uh, you guys were bad. You guys were bad influences uh, when I was when I was getting older. Um, but I, Lawrence, like you go there and it's like Kansas in general. I would say that people are so genuine in Kansas. I know that sounds weird, but like living somewhere else. I mean, people are great in Denver, too. But, you know, going to bigger cities like you don't know these people. But like you go in Kansas and it's like well, people only care about Kansas basketball in Kansas. I think I've realized that like. So people, you know, show you a different type of love and a different type of support. Um, and then obviously being, you know, a Kansas basketball player, like the love and and everywhere you go, it's like, you know, somebody recognizes you and um, people treat you really well. And obviously, like everywhere you go, like people treat you well. So that's probably what I miss most about Lawrence, the, the town itself. And obviously, like being this is another thing, like being away from Jalen and being away from Dewan. Cause I remember I told you guys, like I was really hesitating, like, damn, am I going to, am I going to go a whole year? Like I'm supposed to have my senior, think about it. My senior year after we won a national championship with NIL in Lawrence, Kansas, like, Oh my God. You know, I told Jalen, like, bro, we might get arrested. You know, that type of deal. So, <laughs> They um, had to pull me out of campus. By the time that's, that's I came, like, they pulled me out. You would have made, made a million dollars. Quick. For sure, huh? you would made a, you would have made seven figures for sure. Well, yeah, whatever I would have made, I could have made you know one hundred fifty thousand and been thought I was the coolest thing, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. Like you could have gave me fifty thousand dollars, I would have you know wanted to come back. But um, like, bro, like I was like, dang, I'm really gonna miss like you know being around Coach Sell, being around. Um, what do you think? Like the managers, like all all the people that you like ran into, you get to know them for years. Like you get to know these guys for three years. And it's like, damn, I'm, I'm really going to wake up and not ever – because because eligibility is different. Like once that deadline passes, you can't go back. So you think think about it. You go up to that day, and it's like, all right, th- today's the day I have to decide, you know, what I want to do. So, um, you know, just think looking back like, damn, Jalen, we could have played, you know, Jalen and Juan. Like, man, we could have played one more year together. Like that was honestly like one of the – I struggled with that definitely in the beginning. How is the preparation different between uh, March Madness and the NBA playoffs? Like, is there is there something different between those, or or what do you, what do you got th- to say about that? Yeah, so in college, preparation is like completely different. You're preparing for a team. You're preparing for more sets. Um, the the preparation is completely different. Like a lot of times in college, you might get three or four, five days um, to prepare for, you know, K State. Like, if you give us five days, if you give the University of Kansas and Coach so five days to prepare for Kansas State, come on, bro, like it, it's going to be a blowout. But, like, in the NBA, you get, four, you know, four games in a week. So, you have back-to-backs. You can play you can play four games in five days. Like, you go back-to-back, go home, back-to-back, or something, you know, something like that. Like, so, there is no preparation sometimes. Like, you get – but then you get to the playoffs, and um, you're not preparing for sets as much. You're preparing for tendencies, like – you're preparing for Kevin Durant loves to go left. Devin Booker loves to go left. Um, you know, if, if they go left, they're pulling up. If they go right, they're going all the way to the basket. Like, you're, you're preparing for player tendencies more than you're preparing for sets. Um, and then a lot of the preparation is, is more your body. Like, this is another thing I, I haven't really talked about much. Like, um, 
because I haven't done many of these, but like in college, how many times did you guys see me go to the training room and like do compression boots or like none? I never, I never once, and I never missed a practice, never missed a game. Like obviously not going to work, but like I never once was like, man, I need to go in here and get some, get some recovery boots and get an ice tub or ice bath. Like I never did that. That's one something I cared about. It's like, all right, let's get on practice. And me and Mitch were like, Hey bro, five o'clock. Get, get get done with dinner with your girlfriend. Five o'clock, we're on war zone. Like let's get to it, you know. Like, Dude, that's schedule. Five o'clock to like, two a.m. Baby. Yeah, yeah. Preparation in the NBA is like basically all about your body and getting rest and um, tendencies more than play. So there's a lot of difference, but like, yeah, college is definitely different for me. Like I I didn't once try to ice bath or like I mean you guys saw me in there. Like, I was going out there stretching and you know trying to play hard. So and but I I, I want to talk about this too. Like, we can get into it later, but like how hard like our team last year practiced that like, I think that was a big reason why we won. Like looking back, like that, sh- that was, I don't know if you guys agree, but like oh, no. our best players, I mean, our, our red team was obviously really good, but our best players all were like in practice playing blockout break, going hard. Like Ochai, you guys know how Ochai is. Like he doesn't want to skip a rep. No. And then me, I'm, I'm, you know me, I don't want to compete, compete with Och. Like, so me and Ocho always compete with each other, whether we're on the same team or not. Like, it's like I wanted to be in every rep too. And then, like, I think that was nothing. Like, our team wanted to be like we had guys that thought. And I don't think anybody's ever talked about this. I think we had guys that thought they were better than each other, so it made us compete. Like, it made us in in practice. Like, for example, like I obviously thought I was better than Ocho. Like, same same way Ocho should think he's better than me. That's how it should be. Um, but like we were coming in every day at practice, like I'm not missing a practice. So, you know, so Ocean get you know ahead of me or you know, he's not gonna miss his reps. So like um, I think that made us our team better. And like we had every like Jalen. Jalen, you know, he thinks he's just as good as me me and Oach. Um and he is obviously like um he's gonna get drafted too. So we had a lot of guys like competing. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but like, no, I I was, like Mitch Mitch can bump with Dave. Like there was there was a lot of things that was like, man, we wanted in practice, nobody wanted to get off the court, because if you get off the court, there goes the opportunity. That's how I felt. It was a war our last year. And like you were saying, it was, I mean, it really started with you and Ochai. And then like, but if you have your two leaders, three leaders, however many we, you consider we had last year going at it at practice, like everybody's going at it. Like we were having bloodbaths, like we were all talking shit, all getting each other's faces, nerves. But then I love, the thing I loved about it was like, we would sit there and we would almost get into a, like almost like a brawl at practice or be yelling at each other. And then we got in the locker room and it's like, all right, turn the music up. Everyone's dapping each other up. Like, hey, let's get on war zone. Like it was cool as soon as we stepped off the court. But like last year, and I think that you saw a little bit with the Kansas team this year, wasn't as talented, but like there was a switch in our brain when we stepped across those lines that it was like, all right, it didn't matter. It was like, let's go. Yeah, that, that's that's what like I've told people that a lot. And I, like I said, I haven't said it much like out loud, but um, just the way like if you ask Ocho, I'm guaranteed takes the same way. Like, and that's how you're supposed to think. That is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to come in like this person isn't better than me, or you know, Jalen, me, Jalen, and Ochai. I guarantee you, if you ask each one of them who's the best one, they're all we're, we're all going to say ourselves. Like, and that was good for us. Like we all, but then at the same time, it's like we all wanted to compete. Um, we all wanted to score, but like. We, you know, we all had the same, like, all right, if, if we don't win this national championship, a guy like me, probably not going to get drafted in the first round. So, like, I, we wanted to win the championship together. We wanted to do, like you said, like, we're like, all right, we're going to have practice, like, but we're all going to go out together. Like, you know, we're all going to yeah. be like, you know, we were, we were, bro, we were like, <laughs> we were like, we were like practicing like Elite Eight, but we go to the Elite Eight 
but we're all out that night. Like we're all, we had a good balance of like, you know, what, what we wanted to do, good competition, like, you know, guys that were tough, like bro, Mitch, like, you know, Dave would probably tell you this, like bro, Mitch definitely pushed Dave every single day. Like Remy and Remy and Dewan, there's no question that them two knowing that they could take each other's spot. There's no question that it, it pushed them. Like, that was my thing. Like, I think looking at this year, I think, I mean, I don't know if we should put this in here, but I might have to cut it out. But I think that there was, there was guys that weren't like, all right, I'm better than that guy. There was guys that were like, all right, Dewan's better than me. Like, I'm going to just sit behind him. Like, that was my thing. I think that our team pushed each other and it was like we competed and, and we loved each other at the same time. But, like, our competition definitely helped our team. And I, I think I agree with you. I agree with that statement, and Mitch, you can follow me up on this, but, like, the years that we were shitty, like, when we were in, uh, it was the year after 2018, so 2019, 2020, like, we had no competition. Like, there was no the separation between the first group and the second group was... Yeah, like, if someone messed up, they weren't getting taken out because the guy below them wasn't, like, nearly as good, or they had a different scheme. I think that kind of what led into this year is, like, if... Jay Will isn't playing good. Who are you going to play at the four? Like, you're going to have to bring KJ up to the four, then bring someone else in the five, essentially run two bigs. Like, it switches up everything. I don't know if you guys remember. This is actually a good story, too. I don't know if you guys remember. Um, for me, coming into the year, it was like – and it was this every year at Kansas. Like, you know, you see I'm, – I'm different. I like to look at everything on Twitter. Like, you know, see everything that they're talking about. Like, let, me, let me hear it. Like, please. So, coming in, I know that people were saying, like, Jalen Coleman-Lands was going to – you know, do this and, and do that. Like, he's going to play over CB, which is great. He was great for us, obviously. Um, but, like, coming in, so then we had a we had a recruit visit. It, it was MJ Rice. And uh, he came in, and, you know, we played pickup. But this is at the beginning of the year before any rules were carved out. Coach Sub doesn't promise anybody anything. You know Ochai Abaji is going to get the shots. We know that. That's that what we knew about, coming That was out. about it going into last year, though. Like, That's it. That we, know, we know Ochai's a senior, and everybody who waits their turn is going to get their shots. Jalen waited his turn. He got his shots, like, uh, this last year. So I knew we knew coming in Ochai Abaji was going to get his shots, and that's all we knew. Like, I mean, I was pretty confident in myself, obviously, but, like, and where I was going to be. But – Jalen Coleman Lance comes in. He's brand new. I'm saying like, damn, he can shoot. You know, like he can really shoot it. Like I need to, you know, push myself. MJ Rice comes in for a for a visit, and he's obviously young. And we're playing pickup in um like the like they're they're on a whatever they're on the same team and are on opposite teams. And Jalen Coleman Lance starts busting MJ's ass. Like I don't know if you guys know that. Like Jalen Coleman Lance <laughs> was going crazy. Like Midi pull up, pull up three, hezzy three. And I'm like, at the end of the first game, I'm like, hey, NJ, switch, bro. Like, piss me off. I'm like, bro, because, you know, that shit gets back. Like, that, it gets back to the coach. Oh, I'm yeah. like, no, we're not, we're not doing this shit anymore. Like, MJ, get off of him. NJ's like, turns around to me, which I like. He's like, no, like, I got him. I got him. I'm like, all right, but then, then guard him. You know, like, if you got him, then, then you got him. Like, he just made every shot. And so we kind of get into it a little bit. He, next game, you know, Jalen's still hitting shots. You guys know Jalen, like, he's good shooter if you leave him open like and young guys don't know like guys driving you know he's a young guy making young mistakes and so i'm like bro get off him like so me and mj rice a high school kid are like getting into it over guarding up <laughs> over guarding jalen coleman lands because i'm like bro a 20 a 28 year old a, a 20 yeah a 27 year old like, i can't let jalen coleman lands come in here and coach here that he's in here busting everybody's ass i can't have that so now i'm arguing with a freaking 18 year old uh, about switching. I'm like, bro, like, 
so that's how that's how I'm wired and like I know that's how you know our team was last year but like the competition was great for us and that's that's just like an example of I just think people like don't realize we were in March like diving on the floor loose balls people getting stitches in practice like there's no slowdown when it comes to like a, a Kansas practice losing by the way, but there was there was definitely there was definitely. I'm, what, what school did we go? Uh, TCU. I think it was the Final Four in New Orleans. We went to a, a school oh, and we yeah. lost in the first six minute. We just did six minute blockout break instead of ten, and the red team beat us at the uh, at the place. And I tell you that all the time, like bro, we, it wasn't like we were just like killing our red team. We lost to our red team in the Final Four um, in blockout break, and then we were. But but the thing is, is like we weren't like, oh, we need to get off our feet. We're sitting here like, man, run that shit back. Like, yeah. <laughs> Only six minutes? No, nah, dog. We're playing 20. Like, come on. Like, yeah, we're like, we're like, no, add some time on the clock. Like, no, that's bullshit. You know, they got the ball more than us. That type of deal. So, like, that's how we were. And that, that's what I like. Like, and, and Oach is the top. Like, bro, he played, you know, so many minutes. And he's like, we lose and block out break. And we're all looking at each other like, we're not done. Like, play this shit again. Like, so that was, that, that's what I enjoyed about that team. If you had to have one, this is going to be a little bit different, but if you had to have one recruiting pitch to, to any of the transfers we're targeting right now, what would you say to them? Look, this is easy enough for me. I'd look Hunter Dickinson in the face, and I'd tell him, look, if you go watch how many times we threw the ball to the corner of the backboard for Yudoka Azabuki, and if you think you can't get 24 and 12 here, you're out of your mind. Like, your Coach, Self, Coach Self has been waiting for that, like, Especially with having like you know KJ was great for him last year, but having a smaller five man, bro. There's no way Hunter Dickinson doesn't doesn't see how we run our offense and know that Coach Self is gonna. They're gonna sit there and practice, and they're literally gonna work on the guards are gonna work on throwing the ball to the corner basket every time. Every time the ball touches the slot, they're gonna throw the ball to the corner every so single player. If Hunter Dickinson, if Hunter Dickinson doesn't see that and commit, I, I don't know how. I don't know how he doesn't see that. To be honest with you. I, I think Hunter Dickinson should be a for sure Kansas commit. I don't think he. I don't know if he will. Um, and honestly, I have a Villanova teammate that doesn't think he will either. So, um, but I, I don't know. I don't even know if he's committed yet. He probably was committed while I sleep. But no, I, if Hunter Dickinson doesn't think he can get twenty five and ten at Kansas, he's crazy. He has. I, I look at all of his options. I, I look at all of his options, and I'm like, there's the best place for him to be plugged in and be a national player of the year is Kansas. Like. It's Coach not Self, even close. Coach Self loves big men. Like, he will throw you the ball every damn time. Like, we would do things last year where we would be like, the ball has to touch the paint with the big guy. You have to throw it to the big guy or we can't shoot the ball. That's what they're going to do in practice. They're going to they're gonna get all around him. They're going to say, look, if this ball doesn't touch Hunter's hands, don't shoot it. Don't shoot it. Like, 100%, that's what they're going to do. And, like, that's what I'm saying. I, I almost wanted to DM him myself and be like, Hunter, look, bro, he's going to throw. I know Coach Self has told him. I know they're going to do their job. But, like, Hunter, they're going to throw you the ball every single time. You have Dewan Harris, who is going to make you look amazing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just signed a shooter, right? Like, uh, what's his name? Timberlake or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they signed a shooter so, like, they can't collapse on you. Like, you have other good players around you where they can't help as much. And Coach Self is going to throw you the ball, especially because they know he's going to be, like, their guy. Like, that's their guy. So, I, I don't know why he wouldn't commit to Kansas. Obviously, I haven't looked at his other options as much, but – I thought Hunter Dickinson would be a for sure Kansas guy. That's what that was my opinion, and like it's a I mean, that's an automatic national player of the year. If he comes to Kansas and stays healthy for a whole year, I can almost get, I will take a mortgage out on the house that I rent and and place it on Hunter Dickinson being the national player of the year. 
25 and 10, bro. He's skilled too. It's not like, but we've had, we've had big men to be honest. Like, I mean, Doak's obviously not, not a good example. Like he's a freak. That was one of the best college basketball players I've ever seen. But like, but we've had, he's skilled. Like if you throw him the ball, he's going to score. Like he's got, you know, he's, he's really good. So it's not like we've had guys who I feel like we've thrown the ball to who aren't near as skilled as him that have scored a lot be just because of the offense. Like what are they going to do? Run four game uh, a couple of times, make the ball touch the paint. They're going to throw it to the slot and then they're going to throw the ball directly to the corner of the basket. He's going to have a seal. He's going to score left hand layup every single time. And that's, that's 12 extra points a game. Like it's not like he's going to have to work for those 12 points. Like coach Self's going to touch a part on his face and it's going to be, all right, Hunter Dickerson is scoring two points. That's like that's like kind of like when Ochai was like like I said like dope we were gonna throw obviously we we're gonna throw it to dope like Ochai Ochai had a we threw what like four points no matter what for him just on lobs it was yeah. like like you said Ochai gonna look at us out of a, out of a timeout or side out of bounds um, and it was like all right Ochai two points you might as well just count it you yeah. might as well count like that's how good that's how good his sets are so if you're looking at that and it's like especially with the success they've had like. They were the number one team all last year. Um, probably, like you said, Chris, with less talent. Like, we won the national championship the year before. Um, it's like, bro, how does Hunter Dickinson not look at that and say, like, this is exactly what I want to do? Be the man. Maybe he's never been. He came. He came. I don't know. You know what, though? Yeah, Sarah Purse before we go to bed tonight. Bro, he, he came on a bad week, though. If I look, here's the thing. If you send me and Jalen Wilson back there for his official – He's committing. I tried to go. Somebody back. didn't do I their job. To, I thought he was in town. I went back. <laughs> Did you go back? I went back. I thought he was. Uh, I, I thought he was going to be there Friday and Saturday. So I went back on Saturday all day and hit up the boys. I was like, "Yo, what's up? Like, how we doing?" And uh, they were like, "He left earlier today." So I, I, I thought I could have my oh, imprint on that. Did he go out? I don't know. I didn't really ask too much into it. Honestly, after that, I kind of was disappointed. I think I drove back. Yeah. See, the thing is, though, if we would have got him into that dirty bird, it would have been a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> and that, dude, that was the thing. I'm surprised we didn't get more. We didn't really recruit that much for the year after the Natty year, but like our recruiting had to have been top tier that year because we were all together just like having having a time. Bro, I tell people all the time, I never missed. I never missed on our recruit. I think I missed on Mark Mitchell a little bit. Um, but like, remember, Tyon came. Uh, Dewan came, like I was like 100, percent and it was easy. Like the formula is easy, you know. what I'm saying we're all gonna meet up with McCarthy. We're gonna go to the bird, and it's gonna be what it is. Like if you don't, you know, what I'm saying if you don't, if you, you don't, don't have a fun time, then do you have a pulse? Yeah, then you like, come on, bro. If you don't have a fun time doing that, like you might as well just not come. To be honest with you, don't go. To imagine college. it now. They're all getting paid out, out absurd amounts of money, like. You get to go to bro, you get to go be in school at the University of Kansas, and you're gonna make seven figures. Bro, I took look. It was free when they were recruiting us. We weren't coming for any money, so it was like, bro. I told Dewan, like, you know, come on. And all, all he did was like, yep, yep. And then Tyon, all all Tyon did was walk into brothers, and Tyon was like, I'm committed. <laughs> <laughs> that was the formula, though. Like, you take them to the hawk for the first hour. If they weren't feeling the hawk, it's like, all right, let's head down to Mass real quick. Hit up brothers. And hopefully, hey, Kenny hey, Logan and Marcus had the ox. I'm like, hey, Marcus, what does brothers look like? I mean, this shit lit. Come on. But you can walk in. You know Marcus. He thinks everything's lit. So it's like, you could walk into brothers one day, and it could be, he'd be like, oh, yeah, it's fun. Come on. It could be nobody in there. There's he's 30 people in there, and he's on the ox with NBA young boy. 
But yeah. you could, but you could walk in there on a Saturday. A lot of blue drinks in the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I think I think we're running out of time here. Appreciate you, CB, for coming on. A great episode. Appreciate all the fans for asking questions. Uh, we're signing off, though. Rock Chalk Unplugged. We're out. Rock Chalk, baby. Appreciate you guys. Sure.